Hello, and welcome to the Self Sufficient Hub podcast. I'm Carl from selfsufficienthub.com, and I'm here to talk about all things self sufficiency. Sustainability and food security matters. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 143 of the Self-Sufficient Hub podcast. I hope you're all safe and well. Today we are closing out our conversation with Nat from the Allotment Kitchen Garden talking all about compost. It's a conversation that we started last week and a separate conversation with Nat the previous week on the Wednesday on pallet composting as well kind of rounds off this series. So if you are new to the show and I have picked up a few new listeners in the last week or so, then you might want to go back and listen to those first. But you don't have to, of course. This is a standalone episode and it will do a job. So if you're interested in learning about some different types of composting, particularly dealing with or focused on kitchen waste, then wait no further because that's what we're going to be dealing with today. Like I say, it's a follow-on from last Wednesday's conversation. Now, there's a little bit of a crossover on the audio, only on the first segment here, but um, we're kind of speaking over each other just a little bit in parts. It's not too bad. It won't. It doesn't uh, make it difficult to follow or anything else. It's just a little bit odd sounding but it is only for the first segment I'm very new to this it's a one-man operation I'm doing my best and I'm not the most tech savvy guy so I do find these little issues crop up every now and again but like I said I don't think it's going to interrupt your pleasure listening and as I said it is only in the first segment so the first five minutes or so so without further ado I'll hand you over to my conversation with Nat. And the next um, sort of way of managing um, kitchen scraps and um, obtaining compost and other benefits is a wormery. Yes. So, um, so wormeries are again containers, and they are different from from akasha bins because you're actually keeping live worms in them and they're usually constructed of several layers um, stacked on top of each other and when you start them um, if you buy one there's many many uh, commercially available um, wormeries Um, you can get designer wormeries these days which would look (laughs) Uh, lovely and fancy fancy. Um, or they're very easy to DIY as well um, out of sort of uh, yeah. recycled um, containers. It's, it helps if the containers are all the same, or at least the same size. Um, and this, uh, so, so that yeah. you create several layers, um, or like a stack of containers, one on top of another. And usually you need some worms, which if you're buying a wormery, that of, they will often sell you live worms together with the wormery. And uh, those then yeah. get, go to live in the container at the bottom, which has so the first layer, which you will put some substrate for them to live in, like uh, some compost, already prepared compost. Um, and that's where the worms will hang out. Then the next layer on top is where you start adding your food scraps to. And... Um, what happens is basically because these uh, containers, these, these layers, they have uh, holes in, in the sides and in the bottom, uh, both to allow oxygen to the worms uh, and also for the worms to actually go up, because uh, that's what they do in nature, you know, they, uh, well, the earthworms do. Uh, these are not earthworms, these are yeah. um, compost worms, so you, they're usually tiger worms or red worms. Uh, red compost worms, yeah. and yeah. Um, and they're not quite uh, exactly the same as, as earthworms. I have to, yeah, I've, I shouldn't have said uh, that. But the point <laughs> is that um, they do go up to the surface because in nature, all organic matter is deposited on the very surface. And um, yeah, yes. so, that's where so they go up is, through the holes in um, the bottom of the container and uh, they go into the... Uh, food scraps that um, that you add 
and they gradually um, well eat them and they poo out amazing compost for you and yes. then what yeah, well, it's ba- basically the yes. compost is the worm casings, isn't it? It's the, yes, exactly. you know, the byproduct um, of the worms. And it's the most nutritious uh, compost one could find in, in you know, in, in the world, in this world. And, um, um, yeah. you know, billions of worms are, you know, very happily doing it for us all doing the time. Doing it all the time. Uh, thank you very much, yeah. worms. We love you. Um no, we really do. Uh, we we wouldn't survive for you know if all the worms were to disappear, we would not last very no. long here on this earth. But anyway, <laughs> they don't no, get absolutely. they don't get the credit they deserve. Um, so so yes, yeah, so basically, what you're doing, you're essentially farming um, a community of worms in in a container, and um, because of that, yep. um, it 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 will require some attention because you basically have as, as any captive animal um i mean they will be if you go off on holiday they will be absolutely fine as long as you keep them somewhere sheltered well they generally need to be the wormery best kept yeah. somewhere sheltered because if too much rain gets in the worms will drown eventually um so you need to keep them from yeah. um from rain so that it doesn't fill up with water um, they also can go sort of slow. The whole process slows down when uh, temperatures go down. So in winter, they're likely to slow down um, quite considerably. You can insulate, of course, uh, the wormery, uh, or you can bring it somewhere yeah. like a shed, uh, assuming you're, you know, you usually keep it outside. Um, of course, some. I was about to say, is it is a worm? Some people do keep in the um, kitchen. So, in fact, when when I was doing my training for master composters at Garden Organic, we had a whole day on wormeries, and uh, we built them, and we we kind of you know learned all about them. And in fact, uh, the chap who was presenting the course did say that he you know he he had a desktop wormery in his office. Um, so, so he said right. it worked amazingly well. Um, the, that warmery that I built at that um, workshop, I actually we, we, we all got to to bring our warmeries home, and I did actually keep it in my house uh, for a little while. I did I I did not get on with it being in the house personally. <laughs> I did find a bit of smell. smell? Uh, it wasn't um, you know it wasn't horrible, but it definitely had. Um, like a, a smell of, I yeah. won't say rotting stuff, but just yeah, you could tell there was something there. Um, yeah, so so I yeah, don't know if was that there. was to do with. Um, I think I mainly had sort of things like banana peels and things like that in it. So I, I'm not I'm not sure. I did certainly notice it, but um, on the other hand. Yes, I know yeah, yeah. people who, who who do use wormeries indoors, and I'm not sure if the really fancy ones you get, they might come with filters or something like that. But um, uh, it's certainly, sure. it's I, I know it is certainly possible, and it's like with any of this system, you can tweak them. You know what works for some people might not work for other people, but um, yeah, you know, bakashi bins can can go wrong. You you know sometimes the balance doesn't can get not quite right and and you can get uh spoilage and mold and smell that is you know not your lovely fermented cidery smell so it's this i think it's the same way but yeah i i I keep my wormery um out in the garden i uh, mine is the only very small one i do not use it uh, as my main composting um solution i just use it um very occasionally really i add things to it um Often when I'm going off somewhere and I, you know, I do not want, I, I've got literally a couple of handfuls of um, kitchen scraps and I, you know, I, I, I don't actually have a compost um, bin in my house because I take everything, all my compost setups are at my allotment. Yep. So I normally collect waste and take it there. So, um, yeah. So if I'm sort of, at, you know, if I've got some little bits that, that need dealing with, they go in the wormery. And because yeah. it's a, just a very small uh, demonstration, yeah. Um So yeah, sure. 
And how long does it take in, in a worm um, reef for well, again, the I compost think it to break sort down? Of very much depends uh, because it depends on the size of the wormery and depends on its health. It depends on what it is that goes in it. It depends on what's going on with the you know temperature. So um, so it is mm-hmm. it is a slightly I well I yeah I find it is slightly more potentially slightly tricky process. Although I'm sure once you once you get into it and it just becomes a routine, it's just one of those things. Um, but I find that yeah, yeah. to me, and in terms of trying to prom- promote you know, and encourage people um, to compost, um, wormery might not be such a great beginner thing because, because of this extra attention. Do you see what I mean? Like, I think yeah, if yeah, someone's yeah, just yeah, getting yeah. into it, it needs to yeah. be as easy as possible and as straightforward as possible and as, you know, yeah. um, w- workload reducing as possible. Um, but but that saying yeah, it can absolutely. be a really interesting thing to do, for instance, if you want to involve children because, you know, they can hang out with the worms and learn about them and feed them and make sure they're yeah. okay and look after them. And that's yeah, a great sure. experience for lots of yeah, I, I, mm, lots I think of my schools kids would love get a them. And actually, wormeries work. Um, another sort of interesting thing about them is that they work on all sorts of different scales. You can have a, a tiny wormery, a sort of, you know, almost like a large shoebox style uh, size. Or you could have a sort of anything from a bathtub and upwards. Uh, it can be a, a, a massive thing. Yeah. So um, so in that in that sense, they're quite flexible um and they also produce um worm juice which is uh, something that drains at the bottom of the wormery usually and that's uh similar to bokashi juice that can be used as liquid fertilizer and that's extremely good um for the uh plants and for your garden um yeah (laughs) <laughs> any 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 juice oh, that you're yes. getting from any composting system really is going to yes, be absolutely. is going to be superb fertilizer, um, isn't it? One of the disadvantages of of wormeries as well is that not all kitchen scraps would be amazing in in a wormery. Um, uh, for instance, a lot a lot of people yeah. do not recommend that you put meat products, for example, in a wormery um, because that it, well again okay. because it, it because it's a slowish process it, and and you know, you cannot, it can attract um, animals, it can attract flies. Um, flies are not necessarily the end of the world, but um, uh, yeah, it can have a bit of a smell as well. Um, so things like meat and fats are not encouraged, really. Um, and also things like onions, yeah, onion yeah. peels um, and skins and citrus, I think in very small amounts would would you know, would not cause a problem. But if you're doing something like, you know, you, I yeah. don't know, you, you end up with a lot of, I don't know, you make an onion soup or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, a lot of um, lemon peels yeah, or so whatever. Warm, yeah. You do not enjoy that acidity. And I think one of these com- composting myths is that you should never put citrus or onions in a compost heap, possibly somehow originated from like as a, as a misunderstanding and confusion with wormeries, because in a, normal compost heap uh worms can choose you know where they go then in this sort of very enclosed environment uh yeah they can get a bit overwhelmed with if there's a large amount of these acidic things that they do not like but that is a big difference so in yeah so if you have a, a, a compact wormery do not put lots of your um ends of oranges you've just squeezed juice out of in it (laughs) but um uh, mm-hmm. so to keep your worms happy but then yeah then that's that's a kind of a disadvantage because then you, you you're left with some of these um scraps that if that's your only composting solution yeah that's you've got that's, to find another you know, solution it, it to, yeah to, to that separating um stage where it can get a bit fiddly it's really easy for you to get in touch with us you can do it either by sending an email to selfsufficientcontact at gmail.com or by using the link in the show notes to send us a voice message. You can send us a voice message just using your phone. You could also reach out to us on Facebook 
where we have the self-sufficient hub group and the self-sufficient hub page. We're always thrilled to get your feedback, questions or suggestions for future topics on the show. Is there anything else you wanted to add about wormeries before we move on or have we covered everything? I think we more or less covered it. Okay. I mean, I, I, I have a note here saying that people do set up separate wormeries for pet poo, but we kind of covered that slightly in the last yeah. um, discussion. So we can, yeah, we can just move on to hot bins. Okay. So I'll follow your lead, hot bins. Yes. So hot bins are another solution and uh, very uh, popular these days for kitchen scraps in particular. And what hot bins are, are, uh, well, large bins. <laughs> um, yeah. They're, they're possibly about the same volume as your bog standard Dalek bin. Um, yeah. But they're usually slightly taller and um, they're, they're, they're different shape. They're more of a tall, rectangular shape. Okay. And uh, lots of people say they look very smart. <laughs> uh, I, I get a lot of comments like that about my hot bin. But um, I love hot bin. I love my hot bin. It's, it's amazing. Is that how you do most um, of your composting? Well, no, it is, it is, it is my main solution for any kitchen scraps okay um at present as well as some other things but um as i said in our last discussion i i i have a lot of other yep. <laughs> composting um setups but yes in terms of um food scraps this is my main solution um at the moment yep. and basically what happens with a hot bin is that it is an a, a, an extremely well insulated uh, container. Uh, you have a lid at the top where you add your um, your scraps, yeah. and you have a big um, kind of access panel at the bottom that you would open when you want to take the compost out. And you would um, so so waste goes in the top yeah. and compost comes out of the bottom. So perfect. So far, <laughs> pretty pretty standard. Yep. But because it is it is uh, so. The hot bin I'm talking about right now is a particular brand uh, name. So it is actually a specific product manufactured in the UK. I believe it is manufactured out of recycled, uh, a type of recycled plastic. Yeah. Um, I think it is similar to what they make car bumpers out of. So it's quite sort of solid, uh, s- solid but spongy at the same yeah, yeah. time, if that makes Resilient. sense. Yeah, it's resilient, it's extremely tough, it's completely enclosed, so you do not have any issues with any animals getting in it. Yeah. Um, which solves one of those issues as well. And it's um, because, it is, because it's because it's got extremely thick walls, um, which act as the insulation, yeah. um, it keeps the heat generated by the natural composting process. Uh, really well so it is always very hot yeah um i mean they do have a lot of um information on the internet like videos on youtube and stuff where they you know they do troubleshooting because you know it doesn't always work perfectly it can you know there are things that can uh, you know it can go cold for various reasons but i find generally what again like with any compost bin really once you get in the groove of things yeah and in, <clears throat> and into a bit of a routine i found it worked uh, really well um so and basically sorry yeah, just sorry. to stop you there so it's some this is something i'm quite keen to explore a little bit with you so once you've got it up and running do you need to sort of constantly not constantly but you know do you need to be regularly topping it up all year round in order to keep that temperature up um Yes. So if you don't top it up, it, of course, will go cold. Yeah. Um, and another um, pretty, pretty major point uh, is that it does require addition of carbon material such as wood chip. Yeah. Um, wood chip really is the best for the kind of optimal performance they will actually even sell you a bag of wood chip when you buy your hot bin, which, uh, you know, 
it's it's handy for people who don't have access to yes. any wood chip. But um, I have actually used the hot bin for a year without any wood chip because normally we do get access to free wood chip from tree surgeons on our allotment site. Yes. But one year, it just was a, a funny year and we did not have that much. So it, it was a bit rare. And what I used instead was um, shredded cardboard. Yeah. And, and it still worked. It still worked, although I found it didn't quite reach as hot temperatures yeah. as when I add wood chip. Um, and also sometimes it produced um, much kind of wetter, underdone compost. Yeah. Um, but if so, so ideally, ideally, I would recommend um, adding, adding something like wood chip or bark chips or whatever you can get your hands on. Yeah. Although I I, I know of people who use hot bins without doing that and just adding paper and cardboard and mm. it works absolutely fine sawdust, for them. Would that work? Um, interesting. I, I think it very fine sawdust. I mean, obviously it would add carbon, but I think one of the reasons why wood chip works so well is because it's got big chunks and yeah, that adds aeration as yeah. well as, um, yeah, as well as that carbon material to soak up the nitrogen because like we said before kitchen kitchen scraps will will be full of nitrogen you can find self-sufficient hub content elsewhere online in lots of other places we have a youtube channel we also have our website and now there's our facebook page and facebook group links to all of these you can find in the show notes Come check us out. The best thing about a hot bin, for, in, in my opinion, is that anything can go in it. Yeah. Any uh, meat, bones, bread, anything. Weeds. And because, <laughs> absolutely. It's great for weeds because it's going to kill the seeds, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Sorry. I mean, a bit of a sidetrack no, no, there. No, no, but... no. Absolutely. I, if, if I ever end up with a handful of uh, something like uh, bindweed roots yeah. that, um, and I have space in the hot bin, totally, that is yeah. the place to put things that you definitely want to be dead. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, for that, I love it. Although, if you do have huge amounts of those sort of weeds, you will quickly run out of space. Yeah. Because although I think I think it's it's mostly geared up to uh, sort of average house kitchen outputs. Yeah. Because that's what I, I believe that's what it was originally designed for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they do now come in different sizes, so you get the bigger one, which is the original size, and you can even get a slightly smaller one. So perhaps for smaller households or for you know smaller gardens. Um, it definitely should live outside. I wouldn't keep it indoors. Yeah. Uh, it could probably live on a balcony, a small one, I would imagine. And this, so the so the first best thing about it is that you can just stick everything in it, no sorting required. Yeah. And the second best thing about it is that it turns over the process really quickly. So within sort of two to three months, you will have something looking very much like usable composted mulch yep. coming out of the bottom of it. I mean, like I said before, when I, when I wasn't using wood chip, I had occasions where I would take the resulting compost out and um, it would perhaps be a bit underdone because yeah, perhaps it's gone that. a bit wet, um, in which case I would just stick it in a Dalek composter and it would, it would still look like compost mostly. Yeah. Um, and, but if, if, if I felt like, you know, this was not quite uh, ready to spread on, on the vegetable beds, I would, I would just set it aside for a bit longer and it will completely uh, be full of worms and um, become yeah. amazing stuff really quickly. And you do not need to turn it. It just, it seems to work as long as you add this um, chunky carbon yeah. elements. Um, it seems to have enough air in it to to carry on with that take care of itself Mm. another huge advantage of a hot bin that that in my head this is i i don't do any hot bin composting but it is something that i'm toying with the idea of and one of the reasons is because i'd like to use it as basically a heater as a greenhouse heater i'd like to have one inside my polytunnel just Mm. give me that extra degree or so in the uh, spring and autumn 
Yeah, I would love to um, hear how that goes because I have heard, I think I've read a couple of blog posts where people have done that. Um, but I don't know, because it is insulated. I mean, it does have a vent at the top. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine... Yes, some heat does escape from it, it but must. I just, because I mean, it, it, it because it is insulated, I just wonder how much. Yeah, how much. But even it even is. if it just gave you an extra degree or so, you know, you could be shifting. Talking about shifting your frost dates by several weeks, couldn't you? With that, just one degree. Yes, yes, definitely. And the yeah, again, the newer versions of um, the hot bin that they're producing now also have a little tap at the bottom i believe for any sort of draining of any yep. compost tea that might um collect in it at the moment i've got the kind of the, i think the very first one they've made um and uh, that doesn't have that feature it just has a little grill at the bottom and stuff just leaks out sure but, you know that doesn't bother me <laughs> um but um one of the main disadvantages of a, the hot bin is that it is expensive. Right. It, they are expensive to buy for a compost uh, bin. Yep. Um, they are, however, I think are a good investment because they will, I, I, I can see it lasting a very, very long time. Sure. It seems like a very sturdy product. Um, I was extremely lucky to not have to buy one. I bought it for it. Wow. Um, with someone who did get the original one, but found it was too big for their household at the time. So it wasn't working for them and they were looking to um, rehome, well, it. It, rehome it. And uh, it just happened that they were after something else, which I had. And we just, Perfect. yeah, we worked it out that way. So they, they got our stuff and, and, and I got their hot bin, which I then had to take to my allotment on my cargo bike. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. A, a fun experience. Very Cambridge style um, compost yeah. bin transportation. Um, but yes, I would definitely put it down as a disadvantage, the price of it. Um, okay. Because they, they, they're, they're sort of just under £200, I believe. I'm not sure what right. it is for a smaller one. The, most councils don't seem to subsidize them for some reason. and um, But there are offers that occasionally come up. Um, yeah. And also, at some point, I don't know if they're still doing it, but at some point, I know Hot Bin official website were, were actually selling secondhand bins, oh, okay. and 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 they were, you know, uh, much cheaper than than new. Um, yeah. But so still, still do the job. Uh, well, I've got a secondhand one, and it's it's been amazing. It's yeah. been working for me for several years now, and I love it. It's it's brilliant. Um, it's one of, certainly one of my favorite composting solutions, just in terms of how easy it is to use. Um, and just, uh, yeah, two other slight disadvantages would be is that, yes, you do need some sort of carbon material to add to it. So you need to yeah. have a source of that. Um, I don't know if that's people with reasonable sized gardens might already have a shredder and they could, you know, perhaps yeah. pre prepare their prunings that way. Um, yeah. And uh, taking the compost out of the bottom of it can be a bit awkward. I mean, it's not, it's, it's probably easier than trying to take it out of a little tiny uh, door on a Dalek poster yeah. because it's a much bigger um, access panel. But if, if you still have the hot compost in the top part of the bin and, and it's full, so you, you, know, you want to make space for more additions yeah. and, 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 and you want to kind of rake out the stuff at the bottom, you have to get quite good at spotting when it's all about to come crashing down <laughs> and then quickly close it so that yep. you don't end up with an avalanche of semi-composted stuff all over yep. the place. Yep. So in that sense, the ideal scenario, if I, if I had one, would be have two of those and fill one completely up Kind of like with Bakashi bin and rotate yeah. them. Start filling the next one. When that one's full, you empty the first one and on it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. So, um, yeah. So that's the, that's the hot bin. And the last um, solution like that um, I wanted to talk about is an in-ground digester. And yes, yeah. just the last bit, just before I go on. Uh, I do know that it is possible to DIY a hot bin by insulating a wheelie bin 
Um, yeah, well, that's if... what I was thinking. That's what I had in my head. I will say, if if anyone, yeah, um, if you Google, there, there, I know there people have done that by sticking an awful lot of um, some of that liquid foam stuff yeah. on the inside yeah. of um, wheelie bins. So, so I know it can be done. How well it works, I don't know. I haven't yeah. tried it, but it's certainly been attempted. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe uh, watch this space. Yes, well, <laughs> a project. You can now support the show directly. Just go to patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub. You can become a patron and set up to donate to the show from any amount. Pledging as little as $3 a month makes a huge difference. If that's not your thing, you can also support the show by sharing it with people you know or posting about it on social media. We really appreciate all the help that you give us. It's people like you that make this show possible. In-ground digesters, again, are usually something that's um, commercially available. Um, so they, uh, we did talk about them a little bit in the last compost briefly, episode. Yeah. yeah, very briefly. And um, the most um, well-known um, brand name, I guess, is the Green Cone, which is, a, yeah. a pla- and again, it's a plastic bin. It looks a little bit like a Dalek bin, but it's a bit smaller. It has much smaller top with a lid. And then it has another part which is like an upside down cone that sits in the ground. So you dig a hole, you install it in the ground. It's completely enclosed outside of having some very small holes in the underground bit. And mm-hmm. the idea with it is that you just add your kitchen scraps through the, you open the lid at the top, add the scraps in, and that's it. And forget and, about them. And forget about them. And they will eventually decompose and get absorbed. The nutrients get absorbed into the ground yeah, and that is, um, you know, a very hands-off thing. Um, yep. So it can work for some people. You can, st- so you do not get an output of a compost. Yeah. You don't out get of the that. compost at the end of the day, um, no. But you can. Um, I can see it working very well in situations where perhaps you don't necessarily need it. Uh, but yep. you obviously, you obviously can't do that on a balcony. You need soil. Yeah. Um, but you could would, plant would it be, around would it... it. I was going to say, would it be an idea to, you know, include a digester in the centre of your vegetable plot, for example? Well, I think um, perhaps, yeah, if, if, if I mean, it's, a, it's slightly of a specialised um, item, I feel. So I think if, if there are certain circumstances, um, like they're often used for composting uh, pet poo, because that's something you yep. don't want to handle, as we've previously discussed. Um, and perhaps then I wouldn't put it in the middle of your vegetable plot. But I can see it working amazingly well in the middle of your comfrey patch because yep. then you have the deep-rooted plant like comfrey mining all those nutrients yep. for you from the ground without then, you know, um, any potential um, problems from contamination. Uh, contamination from yeah from from the pet yeah. waste so um so yes so you can you can plant uh, if if you're not putting pet waste in it you could plant uh, around it you could plant things like rhubarb um you know like deep rooted things that will take up all that nutrient yeah. um yeah and i i can see that working very well if perhaps there was a situation that called for that you know ease of disposal of those kitchen scraps um so i think that's why i wanted to mention it that i think it certainly can be a solution for those particular circumstances and um and it is very easy it is animal proof um although i do know uh that they can, you know, the, that composting process inside of it, for whatever reason, can go a bit wrong. Um, I have, well, I have come across that situation once where I went on, on holiday um, to a sort of um, place, like a, a, a holiday-let place, which yeah. um, was very eco-conscious. And they did have some of those um, cone digesters on the, uh, you know, outside for the guests who dispose of their kitchen scraps into. And you'd think yeah. that's the ideal situation for that sort of setup where you have you yeah. know, 
Um, but at the time when we were there, they, they actually said, sorry, at the moment something's gone wrong with, wrong with those and we need to dig them out and sort them out because for Ooh. whatever reason, I don't know if perhaps maybe someone put plastic in it, you know, without yeah, realizing. So, they didn't specify. It, it sounds like it. It sounds like it could only be one of two things, really. Mm. Either it was installed incorrectly in the first place, perhaps with the holes blocked or whatever, or user error and just, yeah. like you say, someone's put something in there that they should. It doesn't sound like a tremendous amount can go well, wrong exactly. if you're mm. using them correctly. Yeah, I think so. Um, but I, because of that, I did want to mention that, you know, it's not like, like yeah. anything. It's not a completely... Uh, issue, silver you know, bullet. Yeah, silver bullet. But... But it, um, and I imagine it would not be a very fun job to try and dig them out and fix them if they have gone wrong. Yeah. Um, but but they certainly can serve um, uh, like a good solution in certain circumstances. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So so yeah, so those are the main um, products and solutions that I wanted to cover in relation to. Um, kitchen scraps and Perfect. composting them in, in, in some sort of contained and and, yeah. and uh, unattractive to animals sort of uh, scenarios, yeah. which is what most people aim for, it seems anyway. Yeah. Um, and the final chapter of our kitchen scrap um, conversation is um, what, you know, is, is, is what I think is a very traditional um way of recycling kitchen scraps and that is chickens yeah we all love chickens don't we (laughs) chickens are amazing um yeah multifunctional yes absolutely and of course historically uh, kitchen scraps would have been made into mash and given to the chickens to supplement the feed and to you know get rid of the kitchen scraps yeah um and there are still in many, you know, this is still the case in many countries. Um, and there, in permaculture, there are whole systems based around um, chickens and utilizing chickens' natural behavior for scratching around, you know, looking, yeah. looking for, for food um, and insects. Um, and, and by utilizing that, they basically... Have, you have a setup where you both produce compost as well as sort of enriching the life of the, the chickens <laughs> even yeah uh, because because they, yeah. they can they can express their natural behaviors for 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 this scratching and foraging um they get they supplement their feed um and uh, they produce your eggs and your meat as well and, and yeah. as well as the compost so there are um, amazing setups in um, by many permaculture channels. The best of them, I think, is Edible Acres, which is a US-based uh, YouTube channel, uh, Permaculture Nursery. They have many, many videos that detail their design for their um, chicken composting system. And yeah. uh, I hope you don't mind, Carl, that I recommend them no, because I think not. it is literally the best um, source of yeah, information yeah, on that. Um, however, um, we have to do the disclaimer on, on this because as we're based in the UK, um, anyone listening from other parts of the world will have to check the situation in their country. But in the UK, it is in fact illegal to feed chickens or any other farm animals uh, on kitchen scraps or in fact anything that has been into a kitchen, whether it's a commercial kitchen or domestic kitchen, unless it is a domestic kitchen that is completely vegan. So yeah. if you yeah, which is all, all was all news to me. I hadn't heard yes. of this before until you told me. So yes, certainly something I'm uh, you know I'm su- quite surprised to hear. And uh, I, I'll I'll do a bit of digging about the the sort of the the actual legalities mm. of it and the you know because it's 
it just it's it's shocking to me i'm not for one second suggesting you're wrong that's not what i'm yeah, saying yeah. i'm saying i just i want to know i want to learn a little bit more about this situation and how it came to be and exactly where the boundaries yes, are yes yes well as far as um i'm aware please do update me if you know i got it uh, wrong anywhere but as far as i'm aware that is the case and that in the UK, I believe it was originally to do with the foot and mouth um, outbreak. Yeah. Um, and that was somehow connected to um, livestock being fed on uh, food scraps. And somehow the, there was a, con- you know, there was a source of contamination in those food scraps. And that's how um, sure. that outbreak occurred. Um, and that you know that was a, a a huge cost to the economy um so that's why apparently that was made uh, law that now yeah. it you you can't go and collect like like you know like those youtube videos um in america would show people collecting uh, sort of buckets of scraps from restaurants, from restaurants yes. and um, things yeah 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 even from Absolutely. your own uh, kitchen unless you are a vegan household uh, apparently yeah. vegan restaurants are also not allowed um i'm yeah. yeah i'm 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 not entirely sure what the thinking is behind that but we this is something we have to say unfortunately that uh, yeah um, of course it is it is it is not illegal um thing to do in the UK at the moment. However, that doesn't mean you can't use chickens for producing compost because it is still perfectly legal to uh, give your chickens um, any garden waste or your vegetable waste as long as it hasn't been in your kitchen. (laughs) So (laughs) if you have your cauliflower and you took the bits you don't want um outside before you took it into your kitchen you are yeah. very, you use yeah, your imagination you free to give it to your chickens <laughs> um so what i actually do on my allotment i do not have as many chickens as you do carl i'm very jealous of how many sure. chickens you have just because of <laughs> the space uh, constraints i have on the allotment yeah, yeah. um but i have a few and what so there are two ways i um well, there are two ways they help me produce compost. And one yeah. of them is a kind of combination of chop and drop and chicken composting. And that is where I usually have an area that I am looking to improve. Um, and yeah. I um, am currently working on an extension to my allotment, which... Um, was a dug allotment um it is right next door to my allotment and so i can actually easily get it well not at the moment because they're in lockdown but before lockdown um (laughs) i uh, would uh, let them out uh in the area that i'm looking to improve i would leave piles of um undecomposed and uh, kind of unbroken down mulching materials like uh, dry leaves um, yeah. And um, I get I, I have a an allotment neighbor who is a digger who you know enjoys digging a lot and he goes around all wow. constantly he's like a human tractor that guy he's unbelievable <laughs> uh, he's quite old as well so I think it's keeping him really fit <laughs> but but yeah, he he does sort of occasionally turn up with wheelbarrows full of weeds he's dug out of his allotment and he doesn't want them. So I take them and yeah. I, um, you know, I just pile them up in the areas uh, where I need um, the compost uh, mulch uh, to end up. And I then get the chickens to go there um, and they kick apart these piles, they scratch through them, they shred all these big chunks. So they save me uh, the, you know, the chore of processing this and chopping it up. Um, occasionally I might come and pile it up again. If it's, you know, if it's slowing down, they will kick it apart again. They're, you know, they're having lots of fun foraging and, um, sort of, you know, expressing their natural behavior. 
Um, and yep. they're, they're also gleaning their, you know, in, insects and extra, extra treats, treats from that as well, which also... S- While drop, dropping manure yes. and churning yes, everything exactly. up they're at the adding time. fertility. All... And I find when, when that's, it's happening like that, as opposed to just having a chicken tractor on bare ground, where, you know, chicken can actually, as we all know, uh, sort of compress the ground a bit if they're if it's yep. just bare soil but having that extra organic matter on top um does mean that they they tend to leave the soil underneath alone because they're just so engaged in um yeah playing in all yeah. these amazing <laughs> for them stuff and and then find yeah or well, the top the top inch yeah, or yeah. two is just nice loose matter material yes absolutely them, they it? eat some of the you know if there's something green that they think is tasty they eat that if there's something you know like they I wish chickens ate bind weed. It's <laughs> would have been amazing, <laughs> but yeah, they, they would yeah. leave some other stuff. Um, but generally, they would so- certainly stop anything from regrowing. Um, and yeah. and that is um, that is solution one. So kind of in situ chicken composting slash chop and drop sort of situation. Yeah. And that that's about. That's about as permaculture as you uh, can get. Well, yeah, we try. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then the second uh, way I, I um, get help from my chickens with compost making is um, my chickens uh, have to be housed in a stationary run. They have a very large run, uh, but uh, again, because of the space constraints, I cannot uh, move it around like a, a chicken tractor. So they, it sits in one place. <clears throat> and that means that the ground needs to be refreshed. But uh, because I can't move it around, uh, what I have to do is I have to move the ground <laughs> from within it, if it makes sense. Yeah. So what I do is a kind of a version yeah. of a, a deep litter system where I don't just have bare soil again. I, ha- I add as much wood chip or sometimes straw, like a very thick layer of carbon at the bottom of the run and that again yeah. gives them yeah. um, a lot of scope for expressing their natural behavior and having fun um, and as well as absorbing all of the manure uh, so then I you know I, I added a, well as a one big heap they kicked all apart and spread it out to the cover the entire area with it yeah. and then um over the course of a few months to about a year, I keep an eye on it. And if it starts looking like it's breaking down a bit too fast, I might top it up with some more if I have access to um, more wood chip. Um, and eventually it just breaks down and it becomes uh, an amazing mulch material because it's, you know, it's the perfect combination yeah, of perfect. Very, uh, chicken manure is very rich in nitrogen and um the carbon it just goes together so well uh, and because they keep turning it just because that's what they love to do they love digging in it um it's um yeah it 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 makes it break down um just enough but at the same time it's never smelly uh because the carbon absorbs all that uh, nitrogen um it is yeah it is healthy for the chickens I do cover the run so it doesn't, if, if it get, I found before I had the full cover on the run, um, it would get a bit compacted if it got really wet uh, because yeah. you know, they, they do compact um, what they're walking on. Um, yeah, if it turns into yeah, a bit muddy. But I, yeah, but I find up. now that it's uh, mostly covered. It, there is enough moisture for it to not, you know, just become dusty. Um, but, uh, yep. but yeah, it, it provides, uh, what I feel is a very healthy substrate for them to hang out on. And then because I do take it then out, uh, if, you know, roughly about every 12 months, um, and refresh it, it then doesn't have a buildup of potential pathogens and, you know, things that could yep. potentially be harmful. So, um, Might. yeah, so that's another really good way of making composted mulch because um, I'm currently got a whole load I've taken out that I'm about to put on my asparagus patch 
because I think the asparagus would appreciate Perfect. that a lot. Um, yeah. Yeah. And of course, chickens um, on their own are, you know, if you have chickens, your compost heap will be very happy with the bedding and the, the chicken manure if you just add it to that. Everyone. Yeah. Can't say enough good things. <laughs> oh, about absolutely. Chickens. People who keep chickens. Um, I, I see you on social media, so, you know, agonizing about what to do with your chicken bedding and your chicken manure. Give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Or the gardener absolutely. in your area. You know, they'll be very happy to take it off yeah, your hands. Don't absolutely. just put it in your council green bin. <laughs> we, no, we, no. Will no, no. Yeah, we will take it. Yeah, we will take it. We will yep. find a use for it. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Okay, have we? Uh, do you think we've touched on everything that you wanted to I think talk unless, about? Now? Unless there's any other questions at this stage, um, in terms of the kitchen scraps and all, all the things we could do with them, uh, that's what I was what I had uh, for today. Great. Well, uh, this is definitely going to be spread out over a couple of podcasts, <laughs> but uh, thank you ever so much, as always, for your time. I genuinely appreciate it. And I also appreciate your kind offer to sort of everyone out there, all of you people listening. If you do want to get in touch, if you've got a question for me or Nat, then do get in touch because um, I'm speaking on your behalf, Nat. But please do, you know, put me right if I'm wrong, but you're more than happy to talk about composting um, as much as possible, this aren't is something, you? you know, this is. <laughs> the least everyone can do um, for sustainability yeah. um, is 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 yeah. try to compost uh, because yes you can send it off yeah. to be composted in an industrial process uh, but obviously it saves all that fossil fuel um, and energy transporting it if you just do it in your own garden. Yeah, great. Absolutely fantastic. Well, um, once again, Nat, do you want to just give yourself a shout out and let people know where they can uh, find sure. you? Sure. I've got uh, an Instagram page and a Facebook page, both called the Allotment Kitchen Garden, where um, I document my, well, my, my gardening journey on my allotment. Perfect. Well, thanks ever so much, Nat, again, and hopefully we will speak very soon. Thanks so much very, very for soon. having me, Carl if you find this podcast valuable there's several ways you can support it the easiest of which is to rate and review it wherever you get your podcasts you could also talk about it or share it wherever you post online including your social media pages and now you can support the podcast directly by becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash self-sufficient hub however you support the podcast we really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. See you soon.